study today is out of Isaiah chapter 33, Your Eyes Will See the King. This chapter has some of the ones we've already been looking at and some more that we'll be looking at over the next few weeks. Uh, we uh, cover last day events, uh, kind of a theme right through them. We'll see that especially today, uh, where it takes us through the events that will take place uh, very near future and, and starting to take place already, right on through to the end and then to eternity. Um, and so just kind of a, Isaiah is a very um, prophetic last day book, but certain chapters more so than others. Um, and this one, as well as some of the others. And we'll see, uh, we'll see that again moving forward for several more weeks. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 33. Woe to you who plunder, though you have not been plundered, and you who deal treacherously, though you have not dealt treacherously with you. When you cease plundering, you will be plundered, and when you make an end of dealing treacherously, they will deal treacherously with you. Right? So what, uh, what goes around comes around, right? Uh, and so uh, those that are wicked, even though they have started the ball rolling, right? It, it hasn't been done to them, but they got it going, it'll come back to bite them, right? So it starts right there with, with wickedness going on, plundering going on, treacherous, treacherousness uh, going on, and then again, in the end, they will get there. Verse 2, O Lord, be gracious to us, we have waited for you. Be their arm every morning, our salvation also in the time of trouble. Why does the people cry out, O Lord, be gracious to us, we have waited for you. What are they waiting on? What are we waiting on? Why are we waiting? Well, yeah, we're waiting for Yom Kippur, right, the, his return. But we're waiting because we have been plundered and they have dealt treacherously with us. Right? So the two verses link together, right? And so uh, he, 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 God exposes what's going on, because most of the treacherousness, uh, treachery is being done underhandedly and behind the scenes and the plundering, various different ways. Uh, and so we're crying out, Lord, be gracious to us, help us. We're waiting for you, we're waiting for your deliverance. Be our arm every morning, we need you to lift us up, we need you to hold us fast every morning and our salvation also in the time of trouble. And maybe you're needing God to hold you up this morning. Maybe you're needing God to hold you up today. Maybe you're going through some struggles right now. Maybe some circumstances in your life are trying and troublesome to you. Maybe you're being plundered right now. Maybe there's someone who's dealing treacherously with you right now on an individual basis. I believe this is talking worldwide it's going to happen. Attack on God's people. But nonetheless, in the meantime... We each go through our experiences, our little times of trouble. And maybe you're going through that right now. Cry out to God, be gracious to you. Ask God to give you patience to wait on him. Ask God's arm to hold you up and to strengthen you and to see you through this day and every day. And our salvation. Yeshua right there. Again, Isaiah uses Yeshua's name several times. Calls him our salvation. Our salvation also in the time of trouble. Time of trouble. Now Yeshua picks up this phrase, time of trouble, and says such there will be a time of trouble such as has never been 
nor ever shall be. Now, I think that's hard for our minds to grasp. I think it's hard for my, I know it's hard for my mind to grasp, but I think for, for most of us, um, again, we've all had our individual times of trouble, and some, no doubt, much worse than others. I know some of our stories here, and, and some have gone through some real trying times, which I would not wish on anyone. But when it says a time of trouble such as the world has never seen, we again as a nation, you know, have an experience, and in our generation have an experience like some generations. I mean, we think about Europe during World War II or World War I, or living under Genghis Khan, or not living under Genghis Khan. Or Stalin, killing certain people, Pol Pot, and the Tsars, and the Crusades, and what the Europeans did to people in South America. Time of trouble. Combine all those things together. And again, we only you know read in a history book. To experience the intensity of all those things, and more so. A time of trouble such as the world has never seen. Unbelievable. Treacherously. It'll be global and, and, and meaner than ever. God's spirit will be pulled, pulled back. And people's hearts will be hardened to such an extent that everyone will have made their decision for God or against God. And that's what we're seeing in this chapter. Two sides, as we've seen in other chapters, and we'll see again. There's only going to be two sides. There will be no middle fence then. Every decision will be made. And those that have turned their backs on God will be just so hardened that there's no grace upon them, that they're not listening at all, there's no restraining power upon them. Satan has full control. And their madness will go forth. Again, I mean, time is going to be a horrible time. It'll be hard and feathered. Talk about uh, waterboarding. I mean, that was a common thing. They're, you know, just coming criminals or whatever. Put on the racks and pulled and pulled until their arms just popped out of their sockets and pulled off their bodies. Unbelievable. Horrible thing. Again, worldwide. A time of trouble. God will be our salvation in that time of trouble. God will give us the power. His arm will hold us up and strengthen us through that time, and we will wait for him, and he will be gracious to us. He is able to see us through. He's seen others through. We're still here today. He has seen us through. God's word has continued on. We know down through the ages, there have been those that have tried to wipe out believers in God, tried to wipe out God's people. We are still here. God's word still goes forth. God will sustain us to the very end, especially through that time. But it will be a trying time. Now is the time to be building up our faith. Now is the time to be crying out to God. Now is the time to be waiting for the Lord every morning, to be strengthened by his arm every morning. Not once a week, not once a year. Every morning experience with the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. He is there for us every morning. Verse 3, at the noise of the tumult, the people shall flee. 
When you lift yourself up, the nations shall be scattered. So there again, we have the two sides. Noise of the atonement, the wars, the problems, the disasters that are taking place. And again, I mean, World War II, we had Hiroshima bomb and, and the other one in, in Japan. Now there's more countries with, with nuclear weapons and more and more will. And we're starting a whole nuclear arms race while we're professing to, to, to not want. We're encouraging it. The world is encouraging it. Going to rogue nations. One thing when good USA used to, to end the war, so-called. When despots use it to start wars, there'll be a whole nother thing. Whole nother thing. Noise is told, people shall flee. And when you lift yourself up, talk about God, God will be lifted up at that time. The nations shall be scattered. They make war on us, but God will make the final war. God will have the final say. God will win. The nations will be scattered. Verse 5, the Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. This is what sees us through. This is what sees us through the time of trouble. This is what sees us through the tumultuous time. That the Lord will be exalted. Because he dwells on high, he sees it all. Nothing goes without his notice. There's no temptation, no trial, no struggle, but such is common to man. But with everyone, God will give us a way of escape. God will give us a way out. God will strengthen us. He will deal justly and with righteousness. He'll give us wisdom. He'll give us knowledge. He will give us stability. He will hold us fast. And he will be our strength as we fear the Lord. Not fearing men, not fearing decrees, not fearing threats, won't be able to buy or sell. God will provide. God will be our strength. Fearing God, fearing offending him rather than fearing offending men. Not yielding to conscience. Not giving in. Holding fast to the Lord. Strengthened in him. Fearing the Lord. Like the disciples, when they were brought in and flogged and beaten, and told, do not preach in that man's name anymore. And they said, if you let us out now, we will go and preach at very moment. Better for us to obey God than to obey man. They did not fear. They were released and they went out preaching and praising God that they were counted worthy to receive persecution. That's right. We need boldness to keep going, boldness to continue to talk. God's power, boldness to go forth and to preach God's word. And one of the reasons I don't think we're persecuted more is because we're not. We don't have the boldness to go forth and preach it and to speak up and to speak our minds. Especially against the horrors that are taking place in the world today. Many countries right now. And in this nation, the horrible sins that are taking place and things that are being allowed. 
God is our salvation. The fear of the Lord is the treasure. That's where the treasure is. That's where the value is. It's in the fear of the Lord. Fearing Him above all things. Fearing His judgment. Fearing the loss of eternal life. Fearing not spending eternity with Him. Fearing missing out on the everlasting treasure. Rather than fear God than to fear man. That's what it's going to come down to. That's going to be the final decision. Am I going to obey my boss? Am I going to obey my spouse? Am I going to obey my children? Am I going to obey my parents? Or am I going to obey God? Am I going to obey the, the laws of the land when they come in contradiction to God? Am I going to obey the army and the police? Or am I going to obey God? That's what it's going to come down to. Whom will we serve? Whom will we obey? Verse 7, The valiant ones shall cry outside, The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. The highways lay waste. And his valiant ones, again, are the ones in rebellion. They're valiant and boasting and causing problems. And, and they're ambassadors of peace, so-called peace. They say peace and safety. And then sudden destruction will come. False peace. They comfort my people lightly, slightly, with their so-called peace. They will weep bitterly. The highways will lay waste. The travel man ceases. He has broken the covenant. He has despised the cities. He regards no man. And the earth mourns and languishes. The whole earth will heave to and fro. The earth itself will mourn for the destruction coming upon it. The destructions that will take place in it. God says, I will destroy those who destroy the earth. The cities will be emptied. The streets will be emptied. The highways will lay waste. People will no longer be going to and fro. God's judgment day will come. Verse 10, now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will be exalted. Now I will lift myself up. You shall conceive chaff, you shall bring forth stubble, your breath shall, as fire, shall devour you. The people shall be like the burning of lime, like thorns cut up, they shall be burned in the fire. The judgment of God, the everlasting judgment of God. I've destroyed this earth with the flood, the next time with fire. He comes with fire, he comes as a consuming fire, he comes as judge, to judge the inhabitants of this earth. He will be lifted up. He will stand up from his throne. He'll be lifted up from that judgment seat. He'll lift up. He'll stand up. In that day of atonement, the ultimate Yom Kippur. And he will come forth from his holy place, his most holy place. He'll come forth from interceding in this earth's behalf. He will lift up. He will rise up. And he will come, and he will come to this earth come to earth with all his glory riding on the clouds. And the wicked will be destroyed with the brightness of his coming. He will be exalted. 
will cause chaff, stubble, whose breath as fire shall devour. Comes the devouring flame. The same breath that speaks love, the same breath that speaks comfort, the same breath that speaks hope to the righteous will be burning wrath of fire upon the wicked. The same words, they will cry for the rocks and hills to fall on them and hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. Not the lion, the Lamb. It's His grace, it's His love that burns them up. The hatred against it, the resistance against it. Forgive, they hate. Love, they hate. Enmity against God burns them up. God's gracious words, God's gracious offers rejected will burn them up. Like lime, they will burn. Like thorns, they'll be burned up. Consumed and destroyed. Verse 13, hear you who are far off what I have done, and you who are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Not fearing God. Fear of God here. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrite. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the everlasting burning? God's judgment will be on the hypocrites as well. Those who profess to love God. Those who profess to serve God. Those in Zion who are not fearing God. The sinners. Hidden sins. Hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite is someone who's godly for a couple hours a week and then just not quite themselves the rest of the week. That's a hypocrite. God can give us consistency. God can give us the power and the strength to, to strengthen us so that our actions match up with our words. And our words match up with the word of God. And our profession and our faith matches up with the word of God. And by his strength, by his power, he transforms us. We're all sinners. We're all hypocrites at one time. But that's what he wants to deliver us from. He doesn't want us to remain as sinners. He doesn't want us to remain as hypocrites. He condemns hypocrites. He condemns sinners. So he transforms us. He changes us. We're not merely sinners that are forgiven. We are sinners saved by grace to be saved from sinning. To be saved from being a hypocrite. That he makes us holy. That he sanctifies us. That he makes us righteous. And just declare us righteous when we're not really righteous. He makes us righteous by his grace, by his power. Not self-righteousness. Not righteousness by works. Righteousness that comes by faith in him. Righteousness that comes by the Holy Spirit living in us and through us. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, how much space is there for sin? How much space is there for carnality? How much space is there for denial of God? And rejection of God? How much room is there then for self? 
And we're filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill us with his power. He wants to remove the carnal heart. We confess our sins, confess our sinfulness, confess our sinful desires, confess our hatred of God and our enmity against him and our rebellion against him, confess our hypocrisy. Let him take it away. Let him kill it. Let it die. Let the old person die in Messiah with him. And let him make all things new. Make us new in him. The sinners in Zion, they'll be afraid. Not fearing God, but afraid of God. Fearfulness will seize the hypocrite. In that time of trouble, they've been professing all along, going along while it's sunny, going along while it's nice, going along with the praises. But when the trying time comes, we talked about it this week in our midweek Bible study, how many people were praising God when we left on the day we left Egypt? Everybody was rejoicing. Everybody was happy. Their firstborn had been spared. They had received the gold from the Egyptians. They were freed from bondage. They went out from the city loaded with leeks and onions. But how many were still praising God three days later when we were standing at the Red Sea, the walls on either side, and the Egyptian army coming down upon us? The time of trouble will test and prove who is really serving God and who has just been hypocrite. Fear will seize the hypocrite. Now is the time to surrender to God. Now is the time to embrace Him. Now is the time to receive His power and His love in our lives. Receive His mercy and His grace. And put it off. And put it off for the time of trouble. At that point, fear will seize us. We're fearing people. We're fearing having fear of God. We'll be stuck in the middle of this Jesus, and our hearts will fail us for fear. But if we're strengthened in God now, mourning by moment, lifted up by His arm, our hearts will be strengthened at time. At that time, we'll have faith and courage to go forth in His might and in His power. And God will be glorified and God will be exalted in his people. That's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for people who have no guile in their mouth. He's waiting for people who have not defiled themselves with women, with the false doctrines of this world, with the Babylonian uh, false teachings of this world, the confusion of this world, who are pure in mind and in heart and in mouth and in tongue and in doctrine. In life, pure and undefiled, then he can come. Because he will be glorified in his people. That's what he's waiting for. That's all he's waiting for. He's not waiting for the earth to get worse. He's not waiting for the sinners to get better at sinning. He's waiting for the righteous to get better at being righteous. He's waiting for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to go forth with boldness and proclaim his word. And when we go forth and proclaim his word, the wicked will get wickeder. And God will be glorified. Verse 15, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. Right? He said, who will, who will be able to stand in that time? Who will stand through the burning? 
those who walk righteously and speak uprightly so our walk and our talk match. It's easy to talk the talk. It's another thing to walk the walk. But it's easy to walk the walk too when it's the Holy Spirit in us doing the walk. Either he's powerful or he's not. But he's powerful enough to create the universe. Certainly he's powerful enough to give us the ability to make right choices and to live and to do what we know we should do and to stop doing what we know we shouldn't do. I mean, how hard is that for God? We know it's impossible for us, but how hard is that for God? And if we let him in, he'll do it. He walks righteously and speaks uprightly. That's what he's waiting for. That's what he's looking for. Who despises the gain of oppression, who refuses bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Who will see through the time of burning? Who will see through the time of trouble? He who walks uprightly, who walks righteously, who speaks uprightly, who refuses bribes. Even a hint of what it's going to be like. Bribing us. Right, financial loss or financial gain to follow them. You'll be able to keep your job, be able to keep your house, be able to keep your car, or not. But refusing bribes, despising the gain of the oppression, those that are oppressing, those that are plundering, despising their gain, not following filthy lucre. Not falling for self, not being greedy. He stops his ear from hearing blood, uh, bloodshed, shuts his eyes from seeing evil. Where do we see evil and where do we hear bloodshed the most? The TV. Right? We should kill that monster. You cannot control it. Cut its neck. Unplug it first. I might get electrocuted. <laughs> Unplug it and cut it. Kill it. Kill the thing. If your eyes are seeing evil, better to have your eyes plucked out and enter into the kingdom of God than to keep the eyes and lose out. He who walks uprightly, he who speaks righteousness, Close our ears and our eyes, the avenues to the soul, as we see, as we hear, so we become. Fill our minds and our hearts with God's word. It's unbelievable how many murders little kids are seeing every week. Hours and hours and hours in front of a television set. Things they're showing on regular TV. Horrible. Cartoons, horrible. The craved world that we live in. We cannot feed on it as well. Because as we behold, we become, we either behold God and become like Him, or we behold the wickedness of this world and become like it. 
and to shut our ears, shut our eyes to do evil. We can do. God's grace. Again, if you can't control it, confess it. God, I can't control it. Give me the power to shut it off and get rid of it. Save you $50 a month on cable bills. Used for God's work. 600 a year or more. It will dwell on high. Place of defense will be the fortress of the rock. A place of defense will be fortress of rock. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Why does it promise our bread will be given us and our water will be sure? Because he's talking about living at the time when they say you cannot buy or sell anymore. You're not going along with our plan. You're not going along with our program. You're not worshiping the beast with us. All the world is worshiping the beast and you're not going along with it. We're not letting you buy or sell anymore. You're not going to get any groceries. You're not going to be able to sell anything. You're not going to be able to earn any money. You're going to empty your bank accounts. We're going to freeze them. We're going to put economic sanctions on you. You're not going to be able to buy. You're not going to have the card or however system it will be. We're not going to let you buy anymore. We're going to take your home. We're going to take your property. Take it all away. Our defense will be the fortress of the rock. And our bread will be given. And our water will be filled. In the time of the drought, three and a half years, of Elijah and Ahab's day, Elijah stood firm, gave the word of God, tried to get him, they tried to persecute him, and he ran to the rock. God hid him. And while the rest of the nation was thirsting for water, he had a brook of water. All the people didn't have food. A bird was bringing him bread. God promises us. Our bread will be given him. Your water will be sure. We're talking about stockpiling canned and frozen uh, you know, uh, army packs in a, in a locker somewhere buried in your backyard. We're going to take all that away. But God promises he will provide. Can he provide that much bread? How many ravens does he have? He rained manna down 40 years for a whole entire nation. Our bread will be sure. Bread will be given to us. Our water will be sure. That's a promise. God will sustain us. God will see us through that time of trouble. Ten thousand shall fall at your right hand, and a thousand at your left hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. He will hide us in the sweet land of Goshen. He will hide us in the cleft of the rock. He will protect us. He will see us through. He doesn't poof us out. He keeps us in and gets us through. We didn't leave Egypt until after the ten plagues were done. He will see us through the plague. And he will be glorified in that. But he has a people who did not yield, who did not take the bribe, who did not go along with depression, who shut their eyes, who trusted in me even when their life and their very food was on the line. It's one thing to be killed. It's another thing to starve to death. 
trusted God anyway. Bread will be sure. The water will be sure. God will provide. And that's where we qualify. So God's looking for us today. Looking for Daniels. He's looking for Elijahs. Looking for people who will stand with him. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will see the land that is afar off. While we're there in the mountains, in the rocks, God providing bread and water, we will see the king. We will see the king in his beauty, coming on the clouds, coming in all of his might and all of his power, surrounded with heavenly angels. We will see the king. High and lifted up. Like Stephen, as they're stoning him, as the rocks are hitting him, bruising him, breaking his bones, he looks up and sees the king. And he can't hold it in. I see Yeshua sitting at the right hand of the Father, and they just get angrier. <laughs> Father, lay not this charge against them. We will see the king. Fear him, as we look to him, as we trust in him, as we wait upon him, as we are strengthened morning by morning by his righteous right arm. We will see the king, and we will see the land that is afar off. We will see the eternal promised land. Like Moses up on Mount Nebo, we will see the land, and we will possess it. We will see the land, and that hope will see us through. That trust and that faith will see us through. We will see the Lord through that time of trouble. Our eyes will not be on the bloodshed. Our eyes will not be on the wicked going on around us. Our eyes will be on the King. We will keep our eyes focused on Him and focus on that straight and narrow and on that light. And we will walk towards that light. We will walk in righteousness and we will speak uprightly. We will see the King. And we will see the Lamb that is afar off possible to see the land that's afar off if we're looking at the land that's right in front of us. We focus on this dirt. We focus on the garbage around us. We focus on the here and now. We focus on stockpiling ourselves with junk and toys and plastic and rubber and metal and garbage. It'll weigh us down. It'll all be burned up. Keep our eyes focused on him. We will see the king. And we will see the lamb. And we'll know which way to go. Verse 18, your heart will meditate on terror. Where is the scribe? Where is he who weighs? Where is he who counts the towers? Where are the wicked? You will not see a fierce people, a people of pure speech, beyond perception, of stammering tongue that you cannot understand. We'll look for them, but we won't be able to see them because we will see the king in the land that is far off. They will be no more. The Lord will be lifted up. He will destroy them forever. Rather, look upon Zion, the city of our appointed season. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a quiet home, a tabernacle that will not be taken down. 
Not one of its stakes will ever be removed, nor will any of its cords be broken. We will see the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. We will see the king. We will see the city. We will see the land. We will look upon the eternal Zion. Verse 21, the majestic Lord will be for us a place of broad rivers and streams. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. He is our salvation. He is our Yeshua. The inhabitants will not say, I am sick. The people will dwell in it, will be forgiven their iniquity. And thus the chapter has taken us full circle, right through the time, the beginning of the end, all the way to the end, and all the way to the beginning of eternity. We will see Zion. We will see the heavenly city. We will see the majestic Lord we will see the king. We will see the broad rivers and streams flowing from the throne of God. The river of life. The Lord will be our judge and our lawgiver. Now, if we deny him as a lawgiver now, how can he be our lawgiver then? It's a good thing that he's a lawgiver, it's a good thing that he's a judge, it's a good thing that he's a king. And it's a good thing that he's our Savior. He came as our Savior. He's coming again as our judge. And he will be our eternal king. And he always has been and always will be our lawgiver. Trusting him. Walking in his way. And the inhabitants will not say, I am sick. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more funeral. There'll be no more time of mourning. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. And the people who dwell in the land will be forgiven for their They're forgiven. They're saved by the blood of the Lamb. We'll receive the healing. The leaves will be given for the healing of the nation. God will heal us. There will be no more sickness and no more pain. As we continue on in the chapters, heaven and heaven become more and more of the focus. God will see us through. God will take us as we trust in Him. As we pray tonight. Your eyes have been focusing on this world. Your eyes have been focusing on the things of this world instead of on the heavenly, instead of on the eternal. Your eyes have been focused on the evil of this world. Your eyes have been focused on the, the bloodshed and crime. You want your eyes focused on heaven. You want your eyes focused on the king. We pray, ask God to refocus your eyes. Ask God to give you an eye transplant, give you new desires. You've been playing the role of a hypocrite. 
Your life has not been in harmony with your faith. Your life has not been in harmony fully with the Word of God. You want to surrender that to the Lord tonight. The moment when we pray, ask God to change you. Ask Him to give you a new heart. Ask Him to give you a new mind. Ask Him to place His mind in you. Ask Him to give you His power. If you're going through a struggle right now, if you're going through some time of trouble right now, being plundered and treachery is being done to you, you need to be strengthened in God's strength. To be powered by God, you need to be lifted up every morning. You need to be lifted up right now. Ask God to meet your every need. Ask Him to give you patience to wait upon Him. To make you upright. And to give you His peace that is righteous. Ask God to live inside you. Power with you with His Holy Spirit. There's some sin on your record that needs to be forgiven. Something unconfessed. Something from the past or maybe something from the present. Those who dwell in the land will have had their sins forgiven. Now is the time to get rid of them. Now is the time to accept your sacrifice. Now is the time to be set free. The moment when we pray, surrender that to the Lord. Let Him forgive you. Let Him change you. Let Him empower you. Let Him meet your every need. If you're sick in need of healing, ask God to touch your soul. To heal you eternally. Heal you now. Work in your heart and your life. Television is a problem, or newspapers, or gossip, or Facebook, or the internet, or YouTube, or whatever it is that you're seeing. It's not godly. It's not holy. It's not from the Word of God. It is not righteousness. It's not uprightness. Ask God to give you the strength to shut it off, to stop it, to give you holy eyes. If the Lord is not your lawgiver now, if you're not fearing Him, if you're not respecting Him, if you're not honoring Him, if you're not following Him, if you're rejecting His law, ask Him to take out the carnal heart, the enmity against Him, to accept Him as your King, as your Lord, as your Savior, as your Judge, and as your lawgiver. For Him to live out His law out of you, to walk in any of those areas or maybe something else that God's speaking to you today about, as we pray, let him meet your needs. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, remove all fear of the time of trouble. Lord, give us faith in you and strength in you and power in you. Remove all fear of humans and devils. Give us boldness to speak forward. Cover us in your armor and move us forward from victory to victory. Make us an army for you, godly for you. Going forth by your word, by your strength, and by your power. Thank you for providing for our every need now and into the future. Thank you for healing us spiritually and emotionally and mentally and physically. Thank you for forgiving us and delivering us and saving us. Thank you for living in us. Walk upright, walk righteousness in us. Touch our tongues and speak uprightness through us. In Yeshua's holy name.